I'll sing it to him. He condescension that you did to come to the earth that we could be completely redeemed dear God we were born hopeless we were born lost blind selfish wretched miserable creatures that we were but thank you father that you come to reconcile man back into your presence we ask today father that you take your word and Speak to us, Lord. May we be benefited by our gathering together today. We thank you, Lord, that we don't just think about you once a year, but you're on our heart every day because you are our everything. Minister to every need. Be mindful of the sick, the afflicted, Lord. Many of your children have so many needs. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Make them well. Bring deliverance. Help me, Lord. I need you so much today to be able to get out of the way to speak to your children. Granted, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? Well, I hope. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. While you're turning there, something I'd like to mention to you that in the last couple of weeks that I've been getting several emails and WhatsApps and things like that from Uganda and uh, there's about 17 areas in Uganda that's being affected by famine. Um, This time not so much because of drought which has been uh, generally whenever we've helped Uganda before it's been because of drought but this time it's because of so much rains that it's hindered their crops and the cycle probably won't change till about February. So there's been about 17 different areas, uh, 17 churches in those areas that have been affected by famine. And they're asking us if we would be able to, to help them. So the request that they're putting forth is about $10,200 to be able to help them buy food. So that's about $600 per church that will help them. So. I think we can take care of that, don't you? Yeah. So if you'd like to give something toward that, you give it to uh, Brother Jackie Tipton Library or to the deacons, either way. And we'll try to get that over to them as, 
as soon as we can. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. We'd like to speak again today on your right to perfect love. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. I love the way John starts out that verse. We have known and believed. True faith is a faith of knowledge and experience. Listen to that again. True faith is a faith of knowledge and experience. And notice what John says. And we have known and believed. Some people believe in the love of God, but they don't know it. So they just believe that God's love and they believe that he can. But John says we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Now listen to these words. God is love. And what you notice he doesn't say God is lovely, and he is, but he says God is love. So I woke up early this morning, and I was praying for the service today and praying for the needs among the church here, those that are sick and things. And while I was laying there, the Spirit of God came to where I was. And I heard him say these words. God is the highest and purest form of love. God is the highest and the purest form of love. Listen to what John says. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love, he that dwelleth in love. So you could have love, but John emphasizes that it's not just people who have love, but those who dwell in it. So it'd be like your soul dwelling in your body, your body dwelling in your house. So what I want myself, for me and for you, is for us to be able to dwell in love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Look at the meaning of this word dwelleth. Abide, remain, continue to remain, not to depart. So in other words, you don't have love one day and then you're as grouchy as a grizzly bear the next day. So you don't treat people out of love on Sunday and then you're as bitter and contrary and whatever more on on Monday, but you actually live in the sphere, in the realm, in the dimension of love. To continue not to depart, to continue to be present in love, not to become another or different. So James says that a fountain cannot put forth bitter and sweet water. Notice again John says, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So God then is love, and to live in fellowship with him 
is to live in the love of God. So he that is full of love is full of God. May God bless his words. You may be seated. So after I heard that this morning, I got to looking. And I've done looked up the quotes, all the ones that links together perfect love and those that link together divine love. By doing that, if you don't know how to do it, you put parentheses and, and then you can type in the words you want and put it there before and after and it'll pull up only the quotes that contain those two words in that order. So I looked up perfect love, divine love, and then I got to looking because I thought, I know that I remember that Brother Branham mentioned something about the love of God and perfection of love, that it was something like an ocean, and then the farther you get away from that perfect love, it keeps coming down, 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 down. And I thought, where was it and what was those words? And I began to look, and then I found where he was talking about the love of God and how that God's ability to be able to love us was so great. And I found finally in adoption, part one and part four, I think it was, where he was talking about those that move beyond the curtain of time. And when they actually go to entering in to that dimension, and he took this sphere of love and he brought it from being an ocean down to a river, down to a creek, and then from a shadow to the shadow of the shadow and a shadow of the shadow of the shadow and then down on down on down on down to where here we are on the earth. And then when a person gets ready to cross over, they go in reverse motion. What happens is they start leaving this sphere that they know as love and then he said they go from the shadow of the shadow of the shadow to the shadow of the shadow. And then they go from the shadow of the shadow to the shadow. And then they go from the shadow to what he called moisture. So they go to moisture. Then they go from moisture to a creek. And then they go from a creek to a river. From a river to a lake. From a lake to an ocean. And then finally, they step in, of course, into the sixth dimension. So it was not that it was feeling or just a human emotion. And it was not that they were, you know, jumping and screaming and they do all of that. But what he was measuring their entrance into the sixth dimension was the degrees of love was actually changing as they were entering in. Now, if God is love, now, whenever we think of love, we could say, uh, myself, I, I'm so happy for our new place that the Lord's give us, and I, I've said it several times. We've been able to have meetings and so many things, and me and Carol talk about it. We left here last night, and uh, I told her, I, I just can't hardly believe this is even ours, and I, I, I just love our new place, and we'd say, well, I, I love it. For those of you that have a dog, maybe a dog in your house or outside, wherever you prefer to keep him or her, and you say, I, I just love that dog. And then some of you may have a cat. Poor old things, I don't know where you can stand with them. Anyway, and you'd say, well, Brother Donnie, I, I love that cat, I love. And then you'd say, well, I, I love my children. 
And then you might say, well, I I love my wife and I, I love my husband. And even though it's the same English word, yet the degrees and the depths of that love, I hope, would be different between your cat and your young'uns. Now, for some of you, it might depend on your young'uns. You might love your cat more, I guess. But we use the same word, but it means such a different depth and degree and intensity. And when we say, well, God is love, well, Two men say they love each other and they want to get married. Two women say they love each other and they want to get married. And they say they love each other. Do they feel something for each other? No doubt they do. But God ain't that love. Now, you might love money. I mean, you might really, really love it. But God is not that love. And God is not the love that you would love somebody else's wife and you'd fall in love with them and they might fall in love with you. Is that possible? Totally possible. That's why we wind up with so many divorces because somebody falls in love with a woman other than their own wife or the other way around. Is it love? It is. But it's not this type of love. It's the perverted love that keeps coming down farther, farther, farther and the farther it comes from the original source then the more perversion that you see into it. So a man could love his wife so much that another man might say something to offend her and that man would pull out a gun, blow his brains out. And he would say, I love my wife so much, I did it in the defense of love. But is that what God is? God's not that love. So when we say God is love, what is he? Is he sex love? No. Is he a human being loving animals more than they love humans? There's been a few humans. It might be easier to love a dog before him, but is God that love? He's not. So how will we then ever be able to experience this kind of love before we leave? Because the prophet tells us that the people that will go in the rapture will be very similar, something like the ones he saw in that realm of the sixth dimension was perfect love. Yet without the new birth, all the love we've ever known has been from the great ocean down to the lake, down to the river, down to the creek. Some of us might not have known any love higher than the realm of moisture. And maybe some of you, you've never known any more than the shadow or some the shadow of the shadow. Apparently the bottom line is the shadow of the shadow of the shadow. And maybe that's as much love as you've ever known. And then when you get around people that have been able to love God and love others and they're beyond the shadow of the shadow of the shadow and beyond the shadow of the shadow and beyond the shadow and they're beyond moisture. And they keep climbing higher and higher until they're actually at the river level of love. And then there's some you get around them and it's just like love emanates out of their being. Even when they disagree with you and you know they disagree with you and yet you can still tell they love you. They really do love you. That's some lake folks. But now you see God himself is neither creek nor shadow nor moisture nor lake. He is the very epitome of divine love. 
So here when John identifies of what he is, that God is love, then we look at the very source of what divine love comes from. Now this must have been what it was like in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible tells us then, of course, that God placed the man in the Garden of Eden and he set before him the tree of knowledge of good and evil and Adam could choose. Adam lived in that sphere of divine love and he experienced it. It must have been absolutely incredible. But when he chose to disobey the word, then something within him changed because the image of God left him and love left with it. Now he was able to love God in this sphere. We'll say that it stepped down maybe from the ocean size down to the lake size. And this is where Adam lived in that realm. Never had a bad day, never had a weary day of pain, never any anxiety, nothing at all. Everything just in that state of perfection. The word Eden in the Hebrew actually means paradise, pleasure. So there he was with all this great creation of God. Then whenever he fell, it's like he stepped down and his love condescended and death actually entered into his mortal realm. And then Adam starts feeling love in a more decrepit way, which is the way you and I feel it all the time. Y'all ever had anybody that loved you and they turn right around and become one of the worst enemies you ever had in your life? I'm always a little bit leery of people when they go to bragging on you so much as a preacher, as a pastor. Brother Bisco told me years ago, he said, Brother Donnie, we'll always watch people that tell you you're the pastor of their dreams because many of them turn into nightmares. <laughs> it's amazing how easy that is. How people say, oh, they just love you so much and they just laud over you and just go on and on and on because I found out some of them that love you so-called in that degree, when they become your enemy, they hate you in the same degree. So all the love really we've ever known has been so watered down and so trickled down and, and it can be so finicky, our love can. And it's like the people that we love the most, it's very odd to me, how the people that we love the most sometimes are the one that hurt us the most. And it's the same with us. The people that we love the most are the ones that we can hurt and, and offend so easily and so much. Your wife, your husband, your children, whoever more. And you say a little something to them and oh my goodness, it just cuts them so deep. And you'd say the same thing to one of your buddies or whatever more and they just laugh it off and go on. But it's because of the love that we experience it's not the ocean depths. It's not the ocean intensity. Is it of the same chemistry? Yes, down so far until it comes down to the shadow and then the shadow of the shadow. Then the farther you go, the less like the original that it actually is. Now John is writing about love and none of the rest of the authors of the New Testament quite rephrases it like this. The Lord Jesus himself, of course, in St. John 3, whenever he began to write and he tells us in verse 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This was an introduction into the ocean view of love that man in the Old Testament never saw. Now they saw the love of God, but yet it was through the justice and the judgment of the prophets and the law. So they never knew about the love of God in the way the New Testament was going to reveal it because Jesus was actually the very epitome of the heart reflection of God's love toward humanity. 
In the Old Testament, they saw God say, when you go into the Philistines and the Amorites and the Hittites, kill every one of them. Just kill them dead. Kill the women, kill the babies, kill them all. Just get rid of them. Because God knew they could not live right, the Jews. They could not love him with all that sin around them. That sin would pull them right in. But God don't tell us today go around killing people. Why? Because people's problem was their love life. I'm talking about sexually now. That is most people's problem today. It's their love life. They use the wrong intensity of love toward their job. They use the wrong intensity of love toward money. The wrong intensity of love toward the things of the world. That's why when John says, love not the world nor the things of the world. Yet there's things about this world that we all enjoy. Is that right? How many of y'all rode to to church in a car today? Why don't you ride the back of your horse? Most of you don't have a horse, right? Don't you love the heater in the wintertime? Don't you love the air conditioner in the summertime? Is that wrong? No, that type of love is not wrong. But if we use the improper intensity of love that's designed for God alone on the things of the world, we're loving them the wrong way. And you see, if some people love going to church the way they love going to work, they'd actually come on Wednesday night as well as Sunday morning. But they don't because they love this or that or the other wrong. So the whole thing is about your love life, how you love the world, how you deal with the world, how you deal with the things of the world that God gives you, how you deal with God, how you deal with the word. The whole thing is about love, everything. All of it is about love. So whenever we go to reading about John, and remember he was called the apostle of love, so John was able to break into an intensity of love that the others simply did not have. And yet we know that he even identified himself, and he was not ashamed to do it, whenever Judas was the one, of course, that leaned over on on Jesus' breast. And then John said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, John knew that Jesus had a special love for him, and John had it back for Jesus. And he was not ashamed to write it that way. And we know that there was something about that, that John was allowed to go into a sphere of love that must have been a little bit higher than some of the others. So John himself was the one that God called to write about the words perfect love. You don't find it nowhere else in the Bible. Nowhere. You don't find it in the Old Testament or the New where those two words are co-joined together to form the words perfect love. But yet John is the one that's able to write about it. Now John, when he writes this, he says that we have known and experienced, so we've known about it and we've heard about it. Now look in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Our love made perfect. Now we believe that what the prophet said, that when he went beyond the curtain of time, that the voice said, this is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. But apparently he had never joined it together that beyond the curtain of time in the sixth dimension, that it wasn't just holiness and it wasn't just clean living, but it was what he preached was the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was perfect love. So what is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is deity. It is the portion of God that can be divided among his people. 
Now, we could never receive that Shekinah, or as you say in the English, the Shekinah, glory of God. That's the part of the Godhead which could never enter inside of us in the fullness. So God divided himself into the form of that dispensation called Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? It's a portion of the Spirit of God that children of God can have living inside of them and seals their soul. It is deity, and it's the same portion, the same chemistry, if you wish to say it that way, that is out of the ocean of love, but it's just not the same volume or the same quantity. Now, the Lord Jesus was the walking ocean himself, and John had received a great portion of that. But notice how John says this, herein is our love made perfect. Our love made perfect. How many have got the Holy Ghost? Now, how many, when you got the Holy Ghost, you could fulfill 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, down to verses 11, about that you had so much faith and so much love in God that you believe all things, you hope all things, you endure all things. Did your baptism of the Holy Ghost do that immediately? I'll answer it for you. No, it did not, nor did mine. Now, why would it be in this way? Because it's about the intensity of your love. You believe you have the Holy Ghost here today? You're born of the Spirit of God? And we say, well, I need more of God. What does that mean exactly? I want more of God. I need more of God. Does that mean you need more of the Holy Ghost? Does that mean you you need more seal on your soul? If your soul is sealed, it's not it's sealed to the day of your redemption. The bottom line is, it's the intensity of what we already have living out of us in the measure God wants it to be. Does that make sense to you? So it's not that, well, I've got this portion of God. If you've got one little speck of God, you've got enough of God to create a world and go out there and live a private life on it. So why is it that we're always hungering for more? Thank God we do. We do want more, do we not? But is it more volume? Is it more volume? Is it more of the Holy Ghost that'll make me shout more, run more, jump more? When I say more, is that what I want? In reality, for most of us, it's us being able to get out of the way and let what we have come to a greater intensity so it can use us in a greater way because it's always the competition between the soul and the body, the natural and the supernatural. God wanting to use us and Satan trying to hinder us. It's the story of our lives, is it not? So John uses these words and he says, herein is our love made perfect. Now he doesn't say that it's perfect when you get it. Now remember the word perfect is teleo, which is not sinlessness, but it's the state of maturity or completion. Herein is our love made perfect. So it's not perfect or complete when we get it, but it actually becomes made. Perfect. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So perfection, again, does not mean flawless or sinless, but it means complete in its development. So when God desires that the development of love would reach, you say, Brother Donnie, you believe people can actually have that before they go? I do. I believe I just preached the funeral of one of them yesterday. Brother Calvin Ward. I believe he reached that state that he was in that spot of the love of God. 
I mentioned it at the funeral for those of you that wasn't there. Brother Calvin was the type of man he loved yard sales and garage sales and antiques and this and that. So he'd go and those, this happened many, many times. He might find a diamond ring there. He might pay somebody $15, $20, whatever it was. He'd go have it appraised and then he might turn around and sell it for a thousand or $1,500. But unlike a lot of other Christians, that would say, boy, the Lord bless me. I'll tell you what, the Lord bless me. You know what Brother Calvin Ward would do? He would turn right back around and go back to that person's house after he had bought it at the garage sale for $20 or 30, whatever more, and take them an envelope full of cash because he didn't feel right paying them $20 and he got 800 or 1,000 or whatever more out of it. That's real Christianity. It's amazing what people identify as blessings when it ain't blessings at all. But see, the way he looked at it, it wasn't fair for him to get all that money out of that when that person didn't realize what they had. So he looked backward in retrospect and thought, if it's worth that, that's not right of me to do that. It would be like you finding my wallet and you reach in there and there's a $100 bill and you say, well, glory to God, boy, the Lord bless me. Actually, that belonged to me, and you're a thief. Well, praise the Lord. You can call it a blessing if you want to. You just stole my $100. But it's amazing how we look at it and think, oh, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. But, you know, whenever God can get us to the place that we don't just think about us, and we're all, our natural instinct to love is loving selfishly. That's why husbands and wives had so many arguments and, and things like that, because they do love each other, but they love out of a soul that is still contaminated with that touch of the fall, which is mixed together with selfishness. I don't like this, and you hurt me, and you said that to me, and you hurt my feelings, and me, and my, and me, and my, and I. Do we love? We do but we're still way down here in the shadow of the shadow and we still have all of that mixed together with self. Well, somebody gonna say, man, she's gonna sit there and look at me. Now, what God wants is the development of this, of course, to be able to live in love is like every other grace, separate from the gifts. And truly, gifts in a person's life are very similar in that once a person is gifted of God and they start using tongues, interpretation, wisdom, whatever it is, they're gonna, they're gonna make mistakes. There's no question about it. You're gonna learn as you go. You're gonna submit to it. As a matter of fact, the prophet gave his tabernacle a few years before he ever actually set the gifts in order in his church. And that was to allow them a apparently time to be able to learn how to use them and how to be able to do it. And boy, did a lot of them make a lot of mistakes. And whenever he got ready to set it in order, then some of them pulled away and left and went to another church because they would not be corrected because some of the things they were saying was not coming to pass at all. So as we learn then, and that's gifts, but divine graces are very similar. Love, hope, faith, all these things. We learn by the grace of God how to be able to let our faith grow, our love grow. And then our love is actually made perfect or complete. So love is like that in that a sense that it grows in intensity. 
in intensity and intensity, one after another after another. And we climb higher and higher and higher. And this is one thing that I've noticed about a lot of the folks in the message. When they get these so-called great deep revelations, and you gotta come to their church, of course, to get it, and you gotta sit under their preacher to get it, and then they go to cutting everybody else off that don't believe what they believe. So instead of getting more love, they get more grouchy. And they get more narrow-minded, more tunnel vision. Ain't nobody going but us, and we're the only ones right. I find that so amazing. I I would have thought that the word of God, the greater it's revealed to you, the closer you'd be like Jesus, and the more you'd love everybody else that don't see what you see. If you don't see what I see, I'm praying you will, and I hope you're doing the same thing for me. Now watch how that John goes on in verse 18, and he said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So then a person can have love, the love of God, the love for their brothers and sisters, a love for the word, a love for church, and yet they're not made perfect in that love. Then you watch a lot of preachers. This is why they have a hard time ever getting any men of God to come and preach for them, and they will out-preach them. I've told Carol many times, places I've went to preach, and she might not have went with me, and I'd call to her on the phone, have the services go. I said, too good. She said, what do you mean? I said, he'll never have me back again. Why? Because the services went too well. Some preachers are so jealous. They're just so jealous. They can't stand it if God uses another man and he blesses their people. That's a very insecure preacher. Well, praise the Lord. You know what? If brothers come and preach here for us and y'all scream and hang from the chandeliers, well, if we had any, whatever, you're so blessed, I'm gonna be so happy. That means you're blessed. You're gonna make me a happy pastor. Oh, Brother Donnie, I so enjoyed. Brother Matt, I enjoy it. Well, I'm so glad you do. Then that means you're gonna live better. You're gonna be sweeter. You're gonna be more respectful. Come on, somebody. It ain't gonna last but a week or two. It'll really benefit you and it'll benefit me. But yet, whenever you look at it and you realize that all of us, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we receive a love in seed form that has its full potential of being everything God wants it to be. But the intensity of that love is so small. It's so small. And then as we come to church and read our Bible and pray and trials and tests and so on and so on, what God is doing is making making that love and the intensity of that love is growing and it may overwhelm you, but even the tests and trials that you go through in life will help you and you'll come out of that if you'll allow God to do so and your intensity of love, your intensity of trust, your intensity of assurance, your intensity of hope and faith and goodness and mercy and kindness and gentleness and so on and so on. Each of those are getting stronger and stronger and more intense. Because God is uh, naturally wants each of us to reach this spot of perfection, of perfect love before we leave this world. How many is going to by the grace of God? Well, I'm gonna try. No, don't, don't do no try deal on me. How many is gonna do it by the grace of God? Now notice 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. John said, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. 
If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So faith tied with love, tied with hope, tied with assurance, all these great virtues that God gives to us produces not only a love for God, but a love for one another. How many would do anything intentionally to hurt God? Anybody? How many wants to offend God today? How many wants to make God mad? But would we do it to our brothers or our sisters? Would we intentionally say something to hurt someone and choose our words in such a way knowing it's gonna rip their hearts out? I figure there probably ain't nobody here unless it's a six-month-old baby that can't talk yet, that ain't done that a few times anyway. And yet we would never do it to God, and we do it to his children. Well, praise the Lord. I wonder, which do we need the most of in our church? More shouting, more jumping, more running, more gifts, or more love? What do y'all figure? Oh, brother Donnie, it's the truth. Preach it, brother. Our church needs it. Now you got a pitchfork religion. Them quotes are coming right at you and you're taking your pitchfork and throwing them over to your wife, throwing them over to your sons. I've seen some of you crank your head around. Don't crank that head around. Get your mirror out and look at yourself. Don't pitch that over to the deacons and some of you want to shovel it all toward me. Well, I need more. I, I agree with that. But you all need more right along with me. Matter of fact, I don't know of anybody in the message that don't need more of the love of God. Come on, somebody. Now watch in verse 21. And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. I mean, it comes without saying, but John wanted to let them know. Isn't it amazing that you'd think that'd be simple basics of Christianity, that people would know if you really love God in the right way, you're going to love your brother too. What's this in faith as a substance? No matter what outward demonstration you give, so long as the inward here is the Holy Spirit, it'll be the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, patience, gentleness, faith, temperance. Satan can copy any kind of gift, any kind of manifestation, but he can't love. Now think of it, God is love and can love, but Satan is not love and cannot love. If there's a sinner sitting here today, do you understand your master does not love you? He hates you. Satan don't just hate the children of God. He hates his own. Satan cannot love. So you can imagine the crossing of the seed in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis when you got a son of God there married to his wife and yet not yet known her, and then the seed becomes crossed through the strain of the serpent, and a being that could not love injected himself into the human race 
You don't understand our ability. We say, I just simply cannot love that person. I can't. Do you understand what that is in you saying that? If there's anybody on this earth today that you say that about, you better get to praying. Because that don't come from God. It comes straight from the pits of hell, from Satan himself. You see, God is so different from him. The Lord Jesus loved those that crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. And yet I've heard it from Christians, my, 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 how many have I heard? I will never love them. I cannot love them. They hurt me. They die. I will never love them. Oh, my, my. Amen, Brother Donnie. Preach, Brother Donnie. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Now, watch how Satan looks at this. Satan loves to impersonate spiritual gifts. I, I can't understand exactly all of his mentality and all that he thinks about it, but Satan actually loves to be able to do this. Satan can copy any kind of a gift any kind of a manifestation. Of course, it's for deceit, we know that. But he can't love. God is love. See, that's right. Satan can't love. He don't love his demons. He don't love his denominations. He doesn't love his own kingdom. It's built on hatred. So he cannot love. You see a man humble and loving, good to his neighbors, and a good citizen, a good fellow, and a good man, and a Christian man full of love and humility, you watch that man. See, that's right. He's good, charitable, long-suffering. You can talk about him. It's all right. He forgives you. Don't make any difference to him. There's the real man. Keep your eye on him. That man bears. He's an example. An example. Notice again, he says, I love this one in Edmonton. He says, I think if one thing is needed in the great universal church of God tonight is love. We do not need other things as much as we think we do. All these other things, our emotions and our gifts, they are wonderful. And to God we give praise. But if those gifts are not governed by love, then they are not effective. So if gifts are not governed by love, they are not effective. Dawson Creek. Today we got the wrong conception of power. Listen what power is. Power is overcoming, returning good for evil. That's real power. And I wonder how many of us look at that as a sign of weakness. Weakness. Oh, you just run her down, run him down. He just says nothing. Why just like a coward, like a chicken? That is one of the most powerful human beings you've ever been around in your life. But we would identify power as someone that when you cross them, their face turns red, their neck swells up about like the hind leg on a hippopotamus. I mean, their temper goes through the roof, their blood pressure is 385 over 192, and their veins and their arteries is about like the old high river. I mean, they're fixing to smack you in the face, and we think, that's power, it is, of the devil. My, my. 
over evil. That's real power. That can love your enemy, do good to those that do evil to you. That's real power. That's God's power. Yes, maniacs can break chains, but it takes a real man to return good for evil. From his heart. Notice how you can do it, but if it's not from your heart, he says, not because of a religious duty, but from his heart. Now listen, when the prophet goes beyond the curtain of time and then he comes back and he says, I'll never be the same Brother Branham again because it did something to him that all of his preaching, all of his praying, all of the miracles, all the signs, all the experiences that he'd had up to that had never yet imparted to him. Now listen, he said, whatever you do, friends, lay aside... Now, do you reckon he actually meant everything? So would that be grudges too? Hard feelings? Praise the Lord. Would that be everything that hinders you? So grudges, hard feelings, temper, all spirit of unforgiveness? Everything. Lay aside everything. Notice this. Till you get perfect love. Get to a spot. Now this is the way, how will I know I've got it? He's gonna tell us. You get to a spot, you can love everybody. Every enemy, everything else. That one visit there to me has made me a different man. I can never, never, never be the same Brother Branham that I was. Now, what happened to him? He entered in right under the fullness of the ocean. The people in that sixth dimension have entered into the depth of love as high as they can go before stepping the final step into the seventh dimension where God is. And yet he had never seen anything like it, felt anything like it, heard anything like it, beyond perfect, beyond sublime. He knew no words in the English language that could describe it. And it was so overwhelming. He said, I've got to go down to earth and I've got to pull people in. I've got to make them go. I've got to do everything I can to get them. And they wasn't even in glorified bodies yet. The attribute which was the soul had left the body and the old coat dropped and they had moved into the theophany and they were not even complete yet. They were still in phase two. God is perfected in threes, not twos. So the attribute went into the theophany and it was beyond anything he'd ever seen in his entire life. And he said, do you all eat here? They said, no, we don't eat here or drink. What do you sleep? Do you rest? No, we don't rest. But one day we'll go back to earth and we'll take up bodies. And there we will eat and drink. They were in stage two. And it was beyond anything that he had ever seen in his life. Praise be to God. In the adoption when he dramatizes it some and says when they've gathered around there and it said they look down through there and see 
them grapes and that good cold water said, I'd like to go down there and, and grab a bunch of them grapes and drink some of that good cold water, but I don't need it. But they couldn't cry. They was not sad. They wasn't going anywhere. You say, what do they do? They're just overwhelmed with happiness. They don't go shopping. They don't work. They don't nail. I mean, they don't clean up. They don't build. They don't cook. Most of the things that we spend our time doing, they do none of it. They have entered into the final stage of where the lake gives way to the ocean and they're in no hurry. It's just absolute such love living in this fear and this intensity. And when a new one comes in and they go down to the river, river to meet them and then they go to going around one another. Now remember, they're not in heaven. They are not walking down streets of gold. They are not seeing mansions. They are not seeing the tree of life. Hallelujah. It's bluegrass, rolling hills, streams. What is it? Better than the earth can offer, but still yet something similar. Notice they don't leave this world and pop, they walk out on a street of gold. No, they go into a place that is the earth glorified. The earth personified with what? The person of God's love. So they're not going anywhere, they're not tired, they're not weary, absolutely cannot cry, can never be sad again. Oh Lord God, I wish I could go today. Don't you understand why we had to have a word, a word that would bring us so close it ain't good enough to have the shadow of the shadow of the shadow. It ain't good enough to have the shadow of the shadow. It ain't good enough to have the shadow. We've got to be as close as love can make us perfect. And the very next step is simply stepping out of this mortal body and and your love has reached its height here and led you right up to the barrier of time. And then one breath away, and you step right into that. The nomination will never lead us there. The preaching of the church ages will never lead us there. It had to take a restoration back to the original word in the end time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to this in the adoption, paragraph 104. Thus saith the Lord, it'll take perfect love to put you in that place. For that's all that was there. So there were no people there like there are here today in this building with different intensities of love. Maybe some of you love God. Oh, I, I love him, I love him. I hear it all the time. I hear it absolutely all the time from people. I know what I should be doing. 
I know I should be at church. I know I should be doing this. I know I should be doing that. But why ain't you? Well, I don't know. I just say, I, I know where I need to be. I had someone tell me that not long ago. I mean, it's unbelievable how many times that you hear. I know what I need to be. I know where I need to be. I know what I need to be doing. Why ain't they doing it? Because there's something wrong with the intensity of love. Knowing you ought to do it and doing it is two different things. So what's the difference in you and some of those people? Because you knew what you needed to do and you did it. Well, I'm telling you this morning, this is more of what we need to do. Well, Brother Donnie, what do we do? We ask him with an intensity and a fervency like we have never before. God grant me perfect love. We ask for our bills to be paid and we ask for this and that. I'm not telling you to stop doing that, but I think, Brother Sister, we need to ask for this more than anything else in our life. God grant to me the intensity of perfect love so I can be ready if God calls my card from the right this afternoon I'm going to be able to walk right out of this world and step right into that dimension and cross from the moisture, cross from a depth of love that I can go to into that great lake of the sixth dimension and when I walk in Instead of taking my breath away, it gives me a breath like I've never had before. Let's be honest today. Do you love everybody the same? You don't have to raise your hands. Is there people you avoid? Is there people you just... You have to be honest, you just kind of struggle with a hard feeling toward them. They said this or done that. Well, Brother Donnie, what do I need? You need to shout more? Well, go ahead and shout if you want to shout. But shouting is not going to do it for you alone. It's your love life. You're going to have to fall in love with God more. And it's amazing if you fall in love with Him more, you'll fall in love with the brothers and sisters around you more. It's like you cannot get one without the other. Thus saith the Lord, it'll take perfect love to put you in that place for that's all that was there. No matter how much religious demonstration, how much good deeds you've done or whatever you've done, that won't count nothing on that day. It'll take perfect love. So whatever you do, lay aside everything else until you are just so filled with the love of God that you can love those who hate you. Now move with me to Shreveport in 1965 when he tells about that visitation there to Jack Morse Church. Oh, how the church needs to lay in the presence, in his presence, till it tenders up, you know, gets sweet in the spirit so it can bathe down I want you to notice the verbs in this statement. How the church needs to lay in the presence till it tenders up and gets sweet in the spirit so it can bathe down. A verb, a word of action. 
So it's not just coming and setting. It's not just, well, I believe with all of my heart. There's verbs, action, praying, seeking God. I want it with all of my heart. Sometime in speaking the message, you get harsh. Wow. Sometime in speaking the message, you get harsh. You have to break it in like that because you got to clench a nail to make it hold. And the harder-headed people you got, the bigger hammer you have to use and bigger nails. Ain't no wonder some poor preachers leave out of here and no war slap dab out. Y'all wasn't so hard-headed and had a head like, like aged oak. You know, you got a pam, pam, pam. Be soft, be gentle. I can be able to come in here with thumbtacks. Pam, 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 pam. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Said, how's Brother Donnie doing? Oh, he is so changed. He don't even use that 10-pound sledgehammer no more. I don't know what in the world's come over him. Bless his heart, he's doing so much better, and no doubt you'll blame it all on me when finally you got your sorry hide lined up. And it wasn't me all along, it was you. <laughs> Notice sometime in speaking the message, you gotta get harsh, you have to break it in like that because you gotta clench a nail to make it whole. But when the church wants, gets it, the elected is called out and separated then in the presence of God, I know it'll be something like the people was there. when it takes its rapture. So we're climbing from the shadow of the shadow of the shadow to the shadow of the shadow, then to the shadow, then to the creek, to moisture rather, to the creek, to the lake. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So you mean a person could speak with genuine tongues of men, now that would be languages of course, on the earth, and then angelic tongues. A person could break into a sphere with God and speak angelic tongues, languages that angels speak in heaven. And if they don't do it on the basis of agape, this is what Paul said they are. Sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Wow. And yet the three vocal gifts and the categories of the gifts are always the ones most people want. Tongues, interpretation, prophecy, which are the three that cause the most problems. And of course, most of the time, they're always the one that's out before everybody. But Paul says, if you don't have love when you do it, you're just like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith. Now you're talking about something, he's going to the extreme, isn't he? This is the way preachers preach. They go from it one extreme to the other. 
So Paul said, not if I had great faith, but if I wind up with every bit of faith that there is that comes from the economy of God, I have all of it myself. I've got so much faith. No one can touch my faith. I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not God or charity. I am. Nothing. I am nothing. But why is it that we love to so major on the gifts? And yet for so many, your attitude, love, whatever, don't even matter. But it does to God. What's this in the spoken words originally see? Now with thousands of sign workers in the last day, it has created a generation of sign seekers. A generation of sign seekers that knows no more nothing about the true move of God and his word in these last days. As I have said, give them blood and fleshly manifestations on the platform and they'll support it, whether it's God or not, whether it's scriptural or not. Jesus had warned of such at the end time, as I've said in Matthew 24, two spirits so very close alike, deceiving the very elected impossible. How can you tell them? Give them the word test. How can you know it? Speak the word and see what they say about it. If they don't believe the word, they have no seed germ in them. They are of the evil one and deceive you. As the first bride was deceived, then the second bride was deceived, and they are deceivers of the third bride. You understand, this is where we are. The dispensation of the third bride. Don't you understand why God allows false teachers false prophets to come among us to try us. He is going to try you not only by smoking, by drinking, by things out yonder. Oh no. How are you getting God? The closer to the reality of God, he'll let your temptation come. And one of the last ones we'll be faced with will be so close to us It will be our own message twin. It will be a twin that looks so much like us. The hair, the dress, the quotes, the books. Come on, friends, don't look at me funny. My goodness, you think you take a Methodist twin and bring it in among us and say, well, that's our twin. That ain't our twin. You take a, a Pentecostal, even a Pentecostal of 1906, you've been around them long, you'll be able to tell, but what will our twin be? It will be so much like us. I do know a little bit about twins, right? I'll tell you one thing, whenever Lee and Maria was little, they were the closest ones of the three sets that we had. They were so close. We had the office time ever was trying to tell them young ones apart. We'd have to tie a string around their hands sometime. But as Leah began to get a little bit older, 
Leah's eyes became, became more almond-shaped. Now, some of y'all still look at him and say, which one's Emma, which one's Ellie? Ellie says all the time, I can't believe they call me Emma. They said, when are you gonna play the violin again? She said, I don't play the violin. <laughs> so you see, it will be so close, it would deceive the elected. But it will not deceive her because she is the word. But look at where we are. Third bride time. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Lord Jesus. Give them the word test. He said, speak the word. If they don't, they have no seed germ in them. They're of the evil one and deceive you. As the first bride was deceived, the second bride was deceived. Now they're deceivers of the third bride. By high breeding the word. High breeding does not mean a total denial. It takes the word and mixes some man's idea with it. And then it produces what? A hybrid product will never step into perfect love, eating a hybrid diet. Don't you understand? You become what you eat. And the doctors are telling us on and on and on, let's take this out of your diet, take this out of your diet. Why? Because they found out even what the prophet said years ago, the food that we eat, it makes us who we are. It's the same way spiritually. If you're feeding on a preacher, you're feeding on a church diet, well, I don't know about the message now. I don't know about this and that. How in the world can you ever take a rapture? How can you ever come to a spot that your body's gonna be chained in a moment and you're gonna come to the state of perfect love. God never placed signs ahead of his word. I love these next words. Amen. That's a scorcher. Boy, that Harvard education really paid off, didn't it? Amen, that's a scorcher. God never placed signs ahead of his word. They were added for proof of the word. But the word is. Say it with me, the word is. Oh, hallelujah. To prove it, Elijah said to the woman, bake me a cake first, then watch the miracle happen. Bake me a cake, isn't that awesome? Watch the miracle happen. Come to the word first, then watch the miracle. I said it to you Sunday, I'll say it again. I don't follow signs, signs follow me. Signs get in your place. I'm a son of God. I'm ordained to lay hands on the sick. I'm ordained to cast out devil. So these signs shall follow me. I ain't going looking for no sign. Come on, children. I don't want our church to be a sign-seeking church. I want our church to be a church that signs follow us and that don't just follow me as the pastor. I believe mamas can pray for their babies in the wee hours of the morning whenever the baby's got a fever. I believe you daughters of God can lay your hands on your baby and rebuke that fever and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, leave my child and God will hear your prayer, not just by the Donnie. Oh my, how can a messenger sent from God just believe some of the scriptures and not all the word, deny part of it. Now we got all kinds of discerners and everything else that's trying to throw your mind from the genuine thing of God, which God has proven to be the truth by his scripture. 
We've heard of it with our ears. Now we see it with our eye. Amen. Do you believe it? Watch Paul as he goes on. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity. You mean a human being could go this far? People could go that far. Now see, he didn't say that if I did not have filio, a lot of people filio God. They love God. They do love him. But it's with the intensity of filio love. And many have died for him with filio love. But Paul said, if you go by the way of the grave and you've not entered into that sphere of agape, it will be in vain. Lord Jesus, help us. Now listen what love does. Charity suffereth long. Can y'all give me a few more minutes and I might go a little bit longer? Charity suffers long. Be patient. Long patience. Be long suffering. Wow, what the meaning of the word, huh? Have long patience. Long suffering. Not to lose heart. Persevere patiently. Bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. Now charity, this is what it causes us to do. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Vaunteth. Listen to this. To boast oneself. A self-display. Imploring rhetorical embellishments and extolling oneself excessively. In other words, you brag on yourself. Anybody know what a puffer fish is? Some of y'all know what a puffer fish is? That's the way a lot of Christians are. The puffer fish. Go ahead and float, because I'm going to blow you down. You see, when you see a preacher, deacon, trustee, a Christian, and they're constantly blowing and blowing and bragging and bragging, they've got a problem. It don't mean they're not a Christian. It means they need to move into a deeper intensity of the love of God because charity in them will not allow them to persist in such. Now, can a person walking in perfect love say something wrong? Yeah. Brother Bram did several times. And he'd say, there's a certain man come up, talk to him, and he said, I could have took the scripture and I could have tied him up. And after about a minute or so, he come back and said, uh, that didn't sound right. Uh, the Spirit of God could come and show that man something. Now, you see, perfect love inside of him caught that. 
You understand, you will make mistakes and this is constantly gonna be your battle. But the dominant force of your soul will show which one is in charge. See, if you keep on bragging and keep on blowing it day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, it shows you've never reached the right intensity of love. But sometimes this old flesh just gets in the way and boy, it'll brag and blow and puff like a puff adder and it'll just blow and blow and the Holy Ghost say, hey, 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 quit that. Shut that up. Don't you say that again, I'm telling you. What, 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 shut, shut, shut up. The reason I have to spank you all so much is you ain't spanking yourself enough. <laughs> if you whoop it up on yourself enough, I wouldn't have to do it as much. Can I have a few more minutes? Wow. Charity vaunteth not itself. You thought I was making up the puffy part, didn't you? Is not puffed up. To inflate, to blow up, to cause, to swell up, to make proud, to bear oneself loftily, or be proud. Praise the Lord. Oh, all y'all's air balloons have come down right there. <laughs> oh, God, help us. Children, do we believe this? Yeah. Do you understand? Not one person has ever entered into the sixth dimension. When Brother Calvin entered in a few days ago, the saints of God that have died around the world in the last three or four weeks, whatever more, not a one of them could ever walk down into that great dimension and say, said, boy, look what I am. Man, I made it, didn't I? All my praying, hallelujah. All my fasting, glory to God. I donated this and that and the other. They'll never cross. But it'll be those that have crucified themselves daily. Daily. Now, some people have a more puffy nature than others. It's just in them. It's in their nature to be more puffy and vaunty. But if you get the Holy Ghost and get it deep enough and get it right, it'll make you just as humble as the person that can't do near as much as you think you can. Mama, it's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. Provoked, stir, to make sharp, stimulate, spur on, urge, irritate, arouse to anger or scorn. Charity is not easily provoked. Easy to scorn. Think us no evil. Harm, ill, or a bad nature. Troublesome, injurious, pernicious, or destructive. Help us, Jesus. 
Verse six, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Now you know what Paul is emphasizing? It believes all things that are to be believed. <laughs> it don't believe everything, but it believes everything that's supposed to be believed. Because charity will believe what God says. This is what I require. And charity will say, I want it. I want to believe everything I'm supposed to believe. Amen. It says all God's words are truth. All God's promises are reality. Amen. It will believe when sometimes there is no hope. Because it's not you, but it's charity within you. Let me hurry and I'll close. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things. So all things, again, that are to be hoped for, that's what charity does. Because it's not you. It's the degree of love inside of you. Let's stand together. Verse eight, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. So you see, chapter 13 did not eliminate gifts. It was the more excellent way by which we should seek them. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. That you may prophesy. Why? Prophecy sets forth and tells the future. Prophecy is not just exhortation. I, the Lord, say I'm here and I'm here to bless you. That is not prophecy. Come on, oh, come on that's what the prophet taught us. That is not prophecy. Prophecy is that, the foretelling of some future event. It may go back in the past and say, I saw you in a certain, certain thing. I saw you in the stillness of the night. I saw you by your bedside weeping and then bring it forward to the present and set it forth in the future. That's the way visions did. But God is telling us something he wants us to know. I wonder how much potential lays in our body right here today as far as great divine things he wants us to do. If he can get us on the right foundation. Don't you love him with all your heart? Come and bow our heads. <clears throat> I'm sure you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure there's people that here and streamed as well. I heard from ministers all over everywhere this week thanking me for following the leading of the Lord last Sunday. Ministers saying that need to be dealt with, need to be preached, so on and so on. Well, I, I believe so too. We've had different cycles that we've been through the message of the hour. No doubt we'll have others, but I wonder what the Lord wants for us today. Where are we? Where are we going? 
you've been in malls before and maybe you was unfamiliar with the place and you're looking for a certain store and they will have a layout there. You enter the north side and they'll have a layout and one of the first things you want to look for is you are here. And then once you find out where you are, then you can find out where you need to go. So you go down this way, you make a right, then you get on the escalator and whenever you get off the top of it, you make a left and then you go this and that. But first you have to find out where you are. So what do you say we ask the Lord today? Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Let me see where I am when it comes by the measure of love. By the measure of love. Actually, if you'll open your eyes and your heart today, I believe the Lord will help each of us to see. We can see a great deal by the way we treat those around us. Not those that love us, but those that don't. Those that have brought such anxiety and trouble. If someone has caused you a lot of pain and their name is mentioned, how do you feel emotionally about that individual? Do you feel anger? Do you feel hatred? That'll tell you a lot about the intensity of love where you are. Herein shall all men know, Jesus said, that you are my disciples because you love one another. I ain't talking about this greasy grace out here in the world. Real love will preach the truth. Real love is corrective. I know you understand that. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? I got both of my hands lifted. I'd like for you to pray for me. I'd like to walk in a degree of love that I've never walked in before. I want to walk in an intensity that I could be so ready, not only to leave this world, but to be able to serve Him in this world in a better way. Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence our bodies were taken. And we know if you allow so, we will return by that same way. But we know that there's a place prepared for those that can love to the highest degree and intensity of love allowed to a mortal. I know there's something in us today for children of God that calls for a closer walk. The prophet would ask people many times, how many wants more of God? And people would shake their head or say amen or raise their hand. And he would always follow up with something like this that shows there's more for you. And I'm sure today, Father, we could all say the same. We want more. We want to be more in love with you, which would make us love people more. Lord, I feel so sorry for the world that we're living in. The darkness is coming upon them. The darkness of Laodicea is getting worse every day. The headship of Satan is about ready to take over. It will be so fast when the bride is gone. I wonder sometimes if we as message people even comprehend that. The mechanics of Satan's body is already working behind the scenes. Because if the bride goes home tomorrow morning at 7, by a few minutes after 7, Satan will have already took over. It will happen that fast. Because when she goes up, 
he can no longer accuse her before the throne of God. And when she goes up, that's his sign. He can come down. So if we go by seven in the morning, by noon, tomorrow, the world will be a different world. By tomorrow night, things will have happened and transpired that will be shocking. In a month's time, the world will not be recognizable. Within six months, all hell will have broken loose. Pestilence, plagues, earthquakes like the world has never experienced. Because the Bible says he has come down upon the earth and he knows that he has but a short time. And when the bride goes up, there'll be no more Gentiles saved. Although people will begin running to churches like never before, the churches will pack out. Within a few weeks' time, the world will experience what they believe to be the greatest revival that has ever been on the face of the earth because they don't know how to measure revival and how to define it. But people will start running to churches. They'll start praying. They'll start crying. People will get all shook up emotionally. They'll think there's such a move of God that's on the earth. And they won't even realize the blood has been lifted from the mercy seat in heaven when the bride came home. Oh, Jesus, don't let one of us be there, Lord. Don't let us be in that tribulation period, Father. Help us. It won't be our master's degree that'll get us in. It won't be the accomplishments that we have in life. It'll be perfect love. And there's not a one of us that can attain that on our own. There's no way. Oh, Jesus, help me. I've been serving you since a boy. Been preaching since a teenager. Help me, Lord God. Help me to have a greater intensity of love than I've ever had in my entire life. Help me, Jesus, to reach out, dear God, to those that are lost. I don't want to just reach to the bride alone, but if I can say something to a foolish virgin, say something to a sinner, and they could get saved to at least be saved, Lord God, help me to do it. Help me, Lord. The prophet said, if you take one evidence from the Bible and would ask the people about it, how many would say they got the Holy Ghost? And he said that one evidence would be those that sigh and cry in the city for the sins of the people. Help us, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Can we raise our hands, friends, in the presence of the King? How many today just say to him, Lord, I need a great, greater intensity of love than I've ever had. I look at many of you here today, and many of you have been serving God for decades, decades of your life. But I believe if we'd all be honest, we'd say, I need more of it, Brother Donnie. Yeah. I need more. I, I can see attitudes and I can see reactions that I have in my life and I, I see they're not pleasing to the Lord. I need a greater intensity of that love. 
I want to be one of those. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Forgive, friends. Don't hold a spirit of unforgiveness. Don't hold a grudge. Don't hold hard feelings in your heart. It'll only grieve the Spirit of God away from you. No matter what people's done against you, pray for them. But it's hard, Brother Donnie. I know that. I know it is. Maybe you can't do it on your own. But if you'll move from the shadow, maybe up to the channel of moisture, then you move from the moisture to the lake. You know how lakes are. You go into the bank and then the farther you go, the deeper they get till finally they reach their depth and they can go no farther. That's when you pass beyond. Then you go into the ocean, which they say in many places, they've not even found the bottom to it yet. That's the love of God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, would you just come today, Father? Lord, I thank you for the different types of services that we can have in church. And I always find it amazing that at the end of Brother Branham's ministry there that in Shreveport and then going to Rialto, California and San Bernardino and those places there. And he commented how that the, the bride would need to sit in services like that. Oh, we need those rejoicing type. My Lord, the, the dedication services we had that, that Sunday morning when Brother David preached about Oh, Lord, the redemption and all that, it was just absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. We rejoiced. We shouted. The presence of God moved in such a way. But, Lord, now you're here this morning in a different way, in a different channel, Lord. But we love it. Deal with us today, oh, God. May we look at our love life. How much do we love you versus our reputation, our education, our wealth, our position. How much do we love church? How much do we love the word and the way that we love vacations and going here and there and there? Let us look at our love life. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Father. We worship you today, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. May there fall such a baptism of the love of God into each of our souls today, Father, that we'll find ourselves loving you so much and one another so much. The prophet said his church, they loved one another so much in their earlier years that they would stand and cry when they'd have to leave church on Sunday night because they'd have to be away from one another from Sunday to Wednesday before they'd see each other again. Oh, Lord, help us. Let that happen to us. Let us have such love for you and such love for one another. Then, Lord, if we have perfect love, it'll produce perfect gifts instead of gifts that have flaws in them, gifts that hit and miss and miss more than they hit. I have to be honest, Lord. I don't want a gift like that. I don't want to see them types of gifts in our church. What are you going to do before we go home? I don't know. I've been looking. I've been studying. I've been searching. 
I find it hard to believe it's in your word and you won't manifest the perfection of gifts. But I have to be honest, sir. I don't want to see a repeat of what I saw because I know what it produced then. It sure won't help me now. But I figure if we can love you right and love one another right, then you'll do whatever you want to do and we won't even care. We won't care if you use this brother, this sister. It won't even matter to us at all because we'll have such perfect love, mature love. There'll be no jealousy. Praise God. This church competing with that church and this church proselyting and pulling away from that church and this church trying to gain members and taking them from there. Don't people understand it's wrong to steal sheep just like it's wrong to steal money? I've told these people, God, and I said again, I don't want some other man's sheep. I want only those you send here. That's all I want. I'm not interested, and I ain't done it for decades. I ain't never done it. I ain't never going to start it now. I want only those you want here that can be fed and helped. Lord, if you give men a church with 10,000, I say, praise God. If you raise them up at 5,000, hallelujah. Get your children in, Lord, so we can leave this place. Oh, Jesus, we worship. Let's just praise him now. Hey, let's just sing something to him now. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Oh, Jesus, I love you, Lord. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Pass by this way today, Lord God, would you? No wonder your prophet said, I'd rather have a church if they didn't know one thing about spiritual gifts, yet was so full of the love of God. Oh, he said, I know that's hard to say in a Pentecostal church. Then he come back and said, but if you have that perfect love, it'll produce them perfect gifts. Oh, Jesus, let your spirit fall among us today, Lord God, till we'll walk out of service and we'll look at one another different. Men will look at their wives, wives will look at their husbands, and we'll look at one another with a depth and intensity of love that we've never experienced before. You had a spy to go over, as it were, into the land and come back and tell us the grapes are big, they're wonderful, they're bigger than you could ever imagine. Thank you for letting him go over, Lord, and come back to tell us what it's like. We love you, Jesus. Sing some for us, hey. Let's just worship him now. Let's just open our hearts. Let's just open our hearts to him, can we? Oh, Jesus, may we lay aside our harshness. May we lay aside any unforgiveness that we would have. Any grudge, any hard feeling against anyone, Lord. No matter what they've done to us, what they've said, how hard they might have made things for us in life. May we forgive them now, Lord. Oh, Jesus, baptize me, Lord, in a deeper experience in your love than I've ever had before, Lord. 
Oh, Lamb of God, I desire to see miracles, yes. I desire to see healings, yes. But, oh, God, how I desire to see our church so in love with you, so in love with one another. Oh, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Fall among us, Lord God, for such a baptism of the Holy Ghost, Father. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for more things. But give me more life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Me and children with all your heart. Let's just stand now in his presence, oh Lord. Tell him, I need you, Lord. the strain may run in their families help them to move beyond those strains every hour I need oh bless me now my I want every preacher that's in this place to walk up to the front of this building. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. What about it, brothers? We want more of this? Maybe some preachers will stream this afterwards. What about it, you brothers? Europe, Africa, Asia, wherever you are, you want to raise your hand with us? I want you, as laity, to pray for us. Not only for these that are visible, but I want you to pray for every preacher around the world, every God-called man. If God can get the leaders right, the leaders can lead the sheep. You'll never live any higher than your pastor. If your pastor only preach a half a resemblance of a message, that's what you're going to look like, a half resemblance of a message believer. And there'll be no half hybrids that go in the rapture. 
If your preacher cannot live into that sphere of perfect love, how in the world can I ever preach you there if I can't get there myself? Will you pray for us today? Just point your hand this way if you would. Not only for us, but all the rest of the men of God. I'm going to go down here with my brothers. And I want you brothers to pray for me. Dear God, we're in need of you today, Lord Jesus. I need you more than ever before, Lord God. How many older men have I seen, Lord, when they get up in their senior years? Either pride or arrogance or women or something gets them. Lord, I'm entering the sunset years of my life. I need you, Lord Jesus, more than ever before. I need you, dear God. Help me. Lord God, I pray that you'd help me. I'd never become proud. I'd never vaunt myself. I'd never be puffed up. Lord, I'd never depend upon the flesh. I'd never be vain. Help me, oh God. Help each of my brothers here today. We pray for your ministry around the world. Ever God call man, Lord. May you anoint your men like never before. Oh, Jesus, that we can walk in intensity of love, Lord, that we've never been before. That we could love you more. We could love your people more. The kingdom of God, the work of God. Not so much that we would love our work and our gift, but the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Help us not to have tunnel vision that we're just so worried about us and ours. But Lord God, we pray for your bride around the world. May such a baptism of the Holy Ghost baptize every member of the bride of Christ with the fullness of God that we'll love you, Jesus, like never before. Oh, Lord God, we need you, Father. We need you, Lord God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We'll see. 
second ago and said she's really really sick right now she's not been able to eat anything for three days I would ask you as a, a body can we just pray for my sister right now that God would just do something wonderful for her Heavenly Father I'm just a man Lord if I could God I would heal every sick person. I would open every blinded eye. I would make every lame person walk. I would take care of every mental trouble, every depression, every oppression. But I'm just a man, Lord. I can do nothing. But you're God and there is no one like you. You're the God who makes the blind to see and the lame to walk. You're the God that makes cancers disappear from the bodies of people, Lord, and takes drunks and makes preachers out of them. That's the kind of God that you are, Lord. That's the God that we serve today, not a God of creed or a God of organization, but a God who is the very essence of love. Lord, we come before you right now, dear God, with this need of our sister, Lord. 
I pray in the name of Jesus by that same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave by that same anointing that gave my daughter back to me may it move upon my sister dear God and not only her but upon everyone that's afflicted dear God may you move by the power of your resurrection dear God and touch every life God in the name of Jesus Satan I rebuke you you are a defeated foe you have no room in our lives and we resent your presence and we we rebuke you in the name of Jesus to lead the people of God for we are a people of love we are the people of the living God ordained before the foundation of the world to stand here in this hour not to show our authority but to fulfill the word of God that's been spoken of us that the word would no longer be in book form or tape form but it would be in flesh God the flesh of your people for as the first two brides fail this bride will not fail dear God but she will leave here victorious with every devil under her feet Oh, God, grant it today, Lord, I pray. The greatest Christmas package ever given to the world was not placed under a tree. You placed it on a tree, dear God, when you come to lift the curse off of us that we could be free to worship you in spirit and in truth. And, oh, God, we receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, my healer, my savior, my deliverer, my strength, my joy, my peace, my all in all. With you, Lord, I can do all things, and without you, Lord, I can do nothing. Oh, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Do you love him today? Oh, wasn't this message an early Christmas present? Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think, I think they have some, a little package for the, for the little ones after church. Make sure you get that and go in the fear of God today. Enjoy your family. Take time to step aside somewhere around just thank the Lord for what you heard today. And, and not only, Lord, let me be a hearer, but let me be a receiver and a doer of that which I've heard. Don't let it start with the pastor. Let it start with me. Let it start with me. From one to the other to the other. That's the way all of us feel. Let it start with me, Lord. May the Lord richly bless you today. Amen. As we go in the fear of the Lord, brother. Harry, let's sing. God bless you, saints. Let's just worship just before we go. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came and Jesus was his name born in a manger 
Thank you.